So Ephesians 6.24, this is God's word. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. We saw this morning that grace comes from the triune God. It comes to us based on the work and the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of grace in Christ, as Paul, uh, we read of Paul in Acts 20, 24, the gospel of the grace of God, the good news of God's grace to sinners. But as verse 24 goes on, it begs the question, how do you know if you have been blessed by God's grace? How do you know if you are one of the all, grace to all? How do you know if you're one of the all? We speak of the means of grace, the reading, the preaching, Hearing of the word of God, sacraments, prayer. But not everyone who has access to those means necessarily receives saving grace. Judas Iscariot had the means of grace. Just like James and John. Just having access to the means of grace does not necessarily mean someone is saved. Just knowing about grace isn't saving grace. I think Spurgeon put it so helpfully and memorably, the doctrines of grace are good, but the grace of the doctrines is better. To actually experience the grace that those doctrines teach. Well, one answer to those kinds of questions is here in this blessing and benediction. Listen again to Ephesians 6, 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And so there it is. Here's a mark of a true believer. Here is one fruit of saving grace. This cannot itself be the reason why grace is given, because that would then be to revert to works. There is a remnant chosen by grace, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace, Romans 11, 5 through 6. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the fruit of saving grace. This is a simple identifying trait of someone who is right with God, who is saved. Love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a a sense of God when you walk through the forest. You know, we speak to people, and sometimes they have this, they say they have this kind of spirituality uh, with God somehow, or 
whatever God is in their thinking just when they are out in creation. It's not getting in touch merely with your spiritual side by meditation or hot yoga. It's not giving to the food bank or helping your neighbor or protesting on Parliament Hill. It's not even going to church or reading the Bible or saying prayers. I've known people that might easily and readily be able to recite the shorter catechism question and answer number one or the Heidelberg catechism question number one much more easily than simply being able to say, I love Jesus. A person can say, sometimes more easily, I love Calvinism. Rather than being able to say, I love Jesus. Or I love the Presbyterian church. And you never hear on their lips, I love Jesus. Now maybe... People are just not used to saying, I love you, to anyone. Have you met people like that? That's a symptom of a problem in itself. But here, grace to all who love the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple, it's clear, and it's very discriminating. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, at the end of that letter, Paul says, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. It's a very clear identifying mark of a true believer. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Charles Hodge said, lack of love for Christ must deserve final perdition. Love to Christ includes adoring admiration of his person, desire for his presence, zeal for his glory, and devotion to his service. It need not be ecstatic, but it must be controlling. I love the Lord Jesus. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians do love him. Boys and girls, have you ever seen Jesus? No. Can we still love him, even though we've not seen him? Yeah. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why does a Christian love the Lord Jesus? Why do we gather together as people who have this in common, that we love our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's Luke 7 47, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. We love the Lord Jesus because he loved us. 
God loved us and sent his son an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And here you notice that it's not simply love, but Paul adds a a descriptive word. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That's a very vivid word. It's a word that could be translated incorruptible or immortal. It's used four times in another chapter in God's Word, 1 Corinthians 15, a chapter on the resurrection. Just one verse, verse 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. That's the same word. Who love the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, with an imperishable love, with an incorruptible love, with an undying love. Not like the kind of so-called love that we see uh, so often, sadly, around us and people that pledge their love to one another in their marriage and, and seemingly so quickly And so often, all around us, the love goes, somehow. Someone once said there are many men who marry the youth of their wife rather than the wife of their youth. And it's something really that they get out of the relationship that they think is love, when it's the opposite of love. Love gives. Love sacrifices. And here, this Christian love is an undying love, an imperishable love. Well, do our lives show our love? It's it's not probably adequate simply to ask the question, we need more help, more ways to test our profession of love. And the Bible does help us in this regard. Psalm 97.10, Let those who love the Lord hate evil. And so you see there, you can't really love the Lord and love evil at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So we listen to what God teaches us in his word, and we obey it. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's a way that we show love to God. And then 1 John four twenty, If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother... He's a liar, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Do I love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love? When we think of the tests of love here, I wonder if you, like me, sometimes feel a lot like Peter in the Gospels. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I lo- that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? But I don't think it's hard to see why Jesus asked him three times if he loved him. Because it was three times that Peter didn't show love. But what does Peter then say? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. There are many times sadly and sinfully, that our lives betray our love to Jesus. We don't love him as we ought to love him. But we can come to the Lord as believers, and sometimes we need to just say, Lord, I know, and you know, what I've done, what I've said, what I've thought. But Lord, you know all things. You know my heart. You know that I love you. And because God is the one who has put that love in our hearts, he does know. And he forgives. And we carry on. We need to to continually be examining our lives in light of this benediction, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Why does this demand ongoing examination? Matthew 24, 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's a stunning verse, isn't it? The love of a few, the love of half, The love of most will grow cold. I think that should stop us all. Say, Lord, keep me from being one of the most, and in this sense, be one of the few. That I would be one of the few where my love wouldn't grow cold. Or if we think of the letter to this same congregation, Ephesus, the letter that Jesus gives to them in Revelation 2, a church where he praises their perseverance and their purity, their concern for purity and their hard work. But Revelation 2 verse 4 says, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. And yet, we read grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Well, with that call to examination, we need to ask as well, how will love be kindled? How will it be fanned into flame? How will it be kept burning brightly in your heart and in mine? 
One writer said, only a sense of divine love will ever create love in the heart. Boys and girls, have you ever been somewhere, maybe it's been a a valley between big hills or even mountains, or maybe it's been in a big cavern or cave, or maybe even in a big room like this. I haven't tried it, and maybe wouldn't recommend that you try it with other people present, but have you ever heard an echo? Maybe you say, I hear that echo every time we sing together here in this room. Have you ever heard an echo? No, where you, you say hello, and then you listen, and all of a sudden you hear hello, hello, back again. Have you heard that? It's really quite interesting. It, it's a fun thing to do. But let me ask you a question. What comes first, your voice or the echo? Is that a very hard question? Have you ever gone somewhere and then just all of a sudden, without doing anything, heard, hello, hello, hello? No, your voice comes first and then the echo. Well, listen to what the Puritan Thomas Manton wrote. We love because he first loved us. Love is like an echo. It returns what it receives. There is no echo until the sound is heard. Our love to God is a reflex, a reverberation, casting a casting back of God's beam and flame upon himself. Love alone begets love. So do you want to have an undying love? Do you want to be one of the few whose love does not grow cold? Do you want to be one of those of Ephesians 6.24 who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love? How will undying love be nurtured? It will be nurtured and it will grow by meditating on one thing especially, dying love. Undying love is nurtured by meditating on dying love. The dying, cross-bearing love of our Lord Jesus Christ. If your love is growing cold, go back to the cross. If you're tempted to, to be leaving or forsaking the love that you had at first, then go back to Calvary and think of who it was who suffered there and why he suffered there and the blessing that came to those who looked to him in faith because he suffered there. The Jesus of whom Paul said, uh, he loved me and gave himself for me. Well, isn't it true what we've already sung in Psalm 116? I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live.